I am Dalek Farrick from DoctorWhoSociety.com. You are listening to The Book Guy Show. Continue or you will be exterminated! Coming to you from the Dalek Crucible. This is a Doctor Who special of the Book Guys show. Uh, this year, myself, Paul the Book Guy, Greg the Book Guy, and Teresa the Librarian, we uh, attended the Toronto Comic Con. It was a lot of fun. And you can uh, check them out at wizardworldcomiccon.com. Take a look and see if uh, they're coming to a town near you. Uh, and if they, if they do, again, I'm going to say it, check out the panels. Don't just walk around the floor. I know there's so much fun things to do there. But you want to also sign up for some of the panels. And we attended the Doctor Who panel, which was uh, brought to you by the nice folks at DoctorWhoSociety.com. And their guest of honor was Graham Burke, the author of the unofficial guide to Doctor Who, the new series titled Who is the Doctor? And he'll be joining us on the show uh, in the near future. And it was a lot of fun. Took a lot of questions from the audience. I think I even got one question in. And if you're a fan of Doctor Who, you're going to love the unofficial guide to Doctor Who, the new series Who is the Doctor? by Graham Burke. Uh, Neil Gaiman enjoyed it. He's on the front cover with his quote. And I enjoyed uh, listening to Graham Burke talk about Doctor Who for this half hour, and I hope you do as well. And uh, there is going to be a uh, special surprise. There's a surprise visitor that shows up in the middle of all this. I'm not going to spoil it. Stay tuned. Good afternoon and welcome. Are you having a good day? Good. And uh, everyone Doctor Who fans here? And just as a point of interest for me, how many uh, are classic Who fans? Yes, thank you very much. That's what I like to hear. Oh, it is so classic. We'll get into that one later. Um, welcome this afternoon. My name is Mike, and I am one of the uh, coordinating committee of the Doctor Who Society of Canada. Thank you, one person. Uh, we're a relatively new organisation. We've been around for around seven months. We uh, originated in another con, which was in Toronto last year, and we can't mention the name of right now. Um, and uh, we just came together as uh, it's a non-profit organisation run by volunteer fans, uh, as a chance for fans to get together, have fun enjoying the show, um, dress up a lot, uh, and uh, really get to know the world of Doctor Who a lot better. Um, so, for those of you who haven't visited our, our booth yet, we're right at the top of the escalators. Stop by, say hi, get your photograph taken with uh, Dalek Oric, who's our guest of honour one of our guests of honour. The other people I have to mention uh, before we start is, if you haven't heard of a company called Big Finish, they're a a UK company that make Doctor Who audios, and uh, we've got their magazines up there, free, take them away. The great thing about them is they make Doctor Who audios with the original actors, and they'll only use the original actors, so it's a great way of staying in touch with a classic Who that you know and love. Um, What we're going to do today is uh, I'm going to introduce our special guest, who's sitting right here. Uh, he's going to talk to us a bit about the new series and uh, something that he's written. We're uh, going to have a time for questions, which is really a chance to share opinions, share ideas, um, ask Graham for his ideas, uh, and then I think we're going to have a special guest come and join us uh, a, a little bit later. So I want to introduce to you uh, Graham Burke. Graham ha- is the author of Who is the Doctor? This is a newly published book. It's been out a couple of weeks. Is it a couple of weeks? Yep. A couple of weeks. And uh, is probably the first major book on Doctor Who published by a Canadian in Canada. Uh, so it's a big deal. It's great to have Graham here. Thank you for joining us. 
this size. I feel like I should be saying, hello, I'm David Tennant. Um, and rip off, you know, rip off my face and discover there's someone much thinner inside. Um, but I'm sorry. <laughs> So yeah, uh, this is a great little book, uh, so I'll do the quick plug about the book so we can go talk about Doctor Who, which is why you're all here. Uh, this is a guide to everything you want to know about the new series. Um, so it covers all six seasons of the new series, from Eccleston through to Matt Smith. Uh, everything you want to know, uh, the relationships that go on, the, the, the continuity, the history of the show, uh, the monsters, the, the story arcs that happen during the season, all the trivia, all behind-the-scenes stuff. It's, it's, all in, it's all in this handy little, small little tome. Um, and it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, it's a book that uh, Neil Gaiman had to say, Damn you, Birkensmith, I just lost four hours to your blasted book, and I only meant to glance at it. It is nightmarishly Moorish. So um, that was a nice little approbation. Um, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a great little book about everything to do with the new show. So that's, that's the plug. So there you go. And you can buy a copy for 20 bucks at the top of the escalators, and Graham will sign it for you. Right after this. There you go. But um, but in terms of what in terms of you want, I guess you guys want to talk about Doctor Who, right? Okay. <laughs> so so I just wanted to have a quick show of hands before I so I just know who. who um, so in, what was the what was this? I know that I know Colleen's saying that you know there's there is all one series, and I actually agree with her. But okay, uh, classic series fans, what were the hands for that? Oh, great, fantastic. Okay, new series. Okay, great. Um, let's just divide up the new series. Eccleston people. Oh, good. I'm still a few of you. David Tennant people? Yeah, right on. Okay. Um, not showing a bias at all. Um, and Matt Smith people? Yeah, that's, that's cool. That's cool. Okay, okay. Uh, and, for, and for Mike's benefit, Patrick Troughton people? Thank <laughs> you. People over the age of 35. <laughs> oh, wow. Look, the groups are the same. <laughs> so, uh, so, Graham, tell us, you know, how did you get into Doctor Who? Oh, who's your favourite Doctor? Oh, yeah. And uh, how did you come to write a book about it? Oh, gosh, okay. Well, um, in less than three minutes, let's see what we can do with this. Uh, I, I, I came to Doctor Who a very long time ago, before most of you were born. Um, it was 1984, actually. Um, and back in those days, when you, we old people lived, um, there was something known as PBS, and that's what you, how you watch Doctor Who. You watched it every night at 6 o'clock on WNED Channel 17 Buffalo. Thank you. And uh, I happened to have it on. I happened, my sister watched uh, Chloe Square One TV or something like that, and uh, she had the television on, and I was homesick. And I couldn't be bothered to change the channel because we didn't have a remote back in those days. And uh, I left it on, and it was Doctor. It was Doctor Who, a program a friend of mine was trying to get me into. It was a show called The Pyramids of Mars, Episode Two, by Stephen Harris. And 23 seconds, 24 minutes, and 13 seconds later, I was a fan of Doctor Who for life. Um, it was a great. It was just a great show. Um, you know, it had. It had all the wacky, kooky British humor that I loved in Monty Python and Dave Allen. It had it had exciting stories. It had it had it was witty. It was fun. It was brainy. It was everything a nerd could like. And and you know, it, it, instant Aspergers in that moment. It was just wonderful. Um, and you know, about within about two months, I was like, you know. Asking my friend Rob, who was the only other Doctor Who fan I knew about everything about it, and then the next, within about six months, I bought every single book on the subject, and you know, you can just sort of see, and by the, by, you know, by, by, you know, about 
about 12 months, I was able to say my favorite script editor was Robert Holmes. You know, you know. So you can sort of see the, 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 how a geek can evolve from that. So uh, who's my favorite doctor? Uh, Tom Baker, and on the days when he's not Peter Davison, and on the days when he's not David Tennant, I suppose. Um, but any of the others are really pretty much do. Um, so I'm pretty, I pretty much like any doc, Doctor Who. I, uh, I uh, r write DVD reviews for uh, a fanzine called Enlightenment, uh, which is published by the Doctor Who Information Network. And uh, I just pick up any DVD of any classic series Doctor, and I will watch it happily. I, I, just, I just love that. I just love the show for that. Um, and your third question, how did I come to write a book about this? Well, that's it. That's it. Um, I, I, I work as a writer, and, uh, and uh, I loved Guides, the classic series that sort of... And what I love about Doctor Who is that it's what I call an open-source fandom. It's a fandom that's interested in the show that's in front of them, but it's interested in how the show was made. So it's interested in finding out who wrote it, who directed it, how, how they put it together, you know, what were the actors were doing at a particular time. They're also interested in, 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 in how it works as a drama. And this isn't what you get when you're like watching something like Stargate, where they're just sort of arguing about over what relationship versus what relationship. You know, it, it, it's it's a show that really you want to look. You can look, you can peek under the hood and go look at it if you want. And I love that about Doctor Who. And and so when I was growing up, I read a lot of great guides to the show that that did that sort of thing. That said, yeah, this is a great story, and we love Doctor Who, but why do we love it? And talked about it in those sort of terms. And I wanted, there's no book about that about the new show. I mean, there's a, there's a couple of books that sort of did it for a season or two, and there was this thing, but there's nothing that did it. There was nothing that did it with real enthusiasm. That was the other thing. I mean, a lot of new series guides I read sort of had this sort of, well, I guess it's okay. It's not as good as when John Pertwee was a doctor, but okay. I guess this Russell T. Davies will do. And I kind of went, I love this show. This is great. This is this is a reason to live for me. Why? What the hell? <laughs> this is a reason to live for a lot of people. Why the heck do I want to be grumpy about it? Why do I want to read a book that's grumpy about it? I want to read a book that's enthusiastic about it. Not uncritical, but enthusiastic about it. You know? Doctor Who has got a lot of flaws. God knows we love them. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a show we love. And, it's, and, and so I think we want something that's got that kind of, kind of split. And so we had this idea to go, my co-writer Robert Smith and I had this idea to go write a book like that, and we just happened to be at Polaris a couple of years ago with Nikki Stafford, who's a, who's a writer and editor at ECW Press, and, and we mentioned that we have, we'd already done a couple of books about Doctor Who with another publisher, edited a couple of books, and we said we'd like to write this book, and she said, okay, send us a guide, and next thing I knew, 14 months of my life was gone, and I had written a book, so there you go. <laughs> Uh, so when I moved to Canada, it was four and a half years ago now, and uh, I, I said the words Doctor Who, there was this kind of deafening silence, and people looked at me puzzled. Um, the new series has taken off. What is it that's captivated a Canadian audience? What is it that's made it a success? I think it's the exact same things that made it a success back in the old days. Um, I think it's a show that's um, very accessible. I think it's just a, a show that's funny, it's a show that's exciting, it's a show that's brainy. It's a show that's that uses all that uses all of you when you watch it. You know, you're excited by it, you're you're moved by it, you're you're scared by it, and you're kind of brain teased by certain things by it, and 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 that's and and, and that's what made the show so great for 26 years when it was on the air in Britain. Um, I'm a, I think the I think the things that's added to it that's made it so popular right now in Canada are a couple of things. One is that they've learned a very valuable lesson I think from some of some television shows. Attractive young leads do 
<laughs> and so, okay, so we've got some, we've, we've had some nice eye candy over the years, so I think that's helped. The fact that they're titanically heavyweight actors as well is what the British spin on it is. Um, these guys aren't lightweights. Um, I think the other thing that is is that, you know, it's, they, they remember that I think modern television drama works through relationships. Uh, they're about, they're, they're about people and sort of, and how they relate to others. So you couldn't necessarily do a story like some of the classics, great classic series stories. You know, you don't know anything about, you know, uh, say a companion like Sarah, other than the, Sarah Jane, other than the fact she has a, she has an aunt named Lavinia. And that is all you know about her backstory. You can't, you can, you know, television doesn't work that way. Television, characters have backstory now. They have, they have families. They have all those sorts of things. And I think the genius of the new show is that they remembered that aspect. So it's, it is a show that, that so they, what they brought into the mix was they brought relationships. They brought families. They brought, they brought backstories. And they brought character, sort of an ongoing character arc um, to it. And I think that's sort of, and I think, and you know, but a lot of the things they do now, I think they were doing back then, you know. We talk about Stephen Moffat being so, so clever with storytelling and, and twists and stuff like that. They were doing that back in the classic show series. I mean, you know, you watch a story like The Face of Evil, which is a Tom Baker story from 1976, where the doctor winds up somewhere and he's suddenly feared because he's a god, and it's turned out he's actually been there before, and, and actually, you know, hundreds of years before, and actually, you know, became its god, you know, it's using the same kind of clever kind of, clever kind of timey-wimey things that Stephen Moffat did, uh, it does now. Um, so I don't, I think, so I think it's bringing a lot of things forward, but I do think there is some new things in the mix. So you've mentioned the two giants, you mentioned Russell T, and you mentioned Stephen Moffat, uh, under the two, the show, you know, one launched the show, uh, brought it back, gave it a new look, and then one has kind of reinvented it in the middle of its run. What's the difference, what's the strength of Moffat? I think the strength of Moffat is, um, is uh, I think it's one of plotting and storytelling. Um, his 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 expertise is in comedy writing. Um, you know, he, his his best known thing is coupling, and it's and if you have never seen coupling, go rent it. It's it's you know uh, everything you love about the Amy and 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 Doctor and Rory relationship. You know, it, there's no Daleks, but it's pretty much in coupling. Um, you know, um, but it's 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 the gags are really written well, and the gags sort of have a payoff, and it's all comes from all these different directions, and then bam, you know, he writes Doctor Who like that. He writes Doctor Who with the same intricacy of of uh, of that. You watch a story like The Empty Child, he, his plan is you create a believable world, and then all of a sudden you melt that believable world. <laughs> and that's the sort of tactic he uses. I think Russell brings, um, I don't think Russell thinks so much in those sorts of terms about story. I think Russell thinks in terms of, uh, I think Russell thinks in terms of emotion, and how, how the emotion works, and whether or not it's real or not. So, a story like Doomsday makes no sense, really. I mean, you know, um, but it's so big, you know, the only way you could actually separate the Doctor and Rose and make it sort of emotionally real and valid is to give a giant, grand, epic ending to it, you know, and because it works so, it's, it works on a different emotional resonance. And I think that's kind of cool. I mean, that's not to say that, you know, Russell doesn't write brainy stuff. I mean, Russell basically, although it's, never, not, it's not credited for it, he wrote, he wrote The Impossible Planet, which I think is a pretty cerebral story. Um, Midnight is a really cerebral story. But, you know, and I think, and I think you know, um, and I think that's not to say that you know that that Stephen Moffat can't do something with hard in it too. I mean, I think I think the Sears Christmas special is a good example. I think uh, I think uh, um, um, uh, the uh, 
I think uh, the girl in the fireplace is another good example. So I don't, it's, I don't think it's just that one writes for the head, and one writes for the heart. But I think they have different, they have, they had different backgrounds, and they, and they used it differently. Uh, so where's the new series drawing on the old series? Where's it, how are those roots continued? I think I said some of it before. I think, I think, it, I think it's continued it in the sense of humor the show had. Um, there was a real fear among many of us that we were going to watch a new show, and it was going to be like. Battlestar Galactica, which is actually, a, I really like the new version of Battlestar Galactica, but you know, it's not a show with a heck of a lot of laughs. And a lot of the remakes of uh, a, lot, a lot of the remakes of, of shows that have come over the years has just forgotten that these shows were funny originally. I mean, you know, the remake of The Bionic Woman, you kind of go this is, a, this is a show that had a bionic dog, for goodness sakes. You know, this is, you know, like, it's, it's, all about, it's all about being as dour as possible and as miserable as possible. And, and even you look at the remakes of comics, like even the DC New 52, sorry guys. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's almost as though they want to make things not as fun and as wonderful. And I think with Doctor Who, they said, no, it's, it's a funny show. And it really is a funny show. And you know what? A lot of what makes the show funny, great is that it's funny and that it's funny and it's excited and it's happy and that it, it's, a, it's a show about optimistic people in a dark universe. And, and it didn't forget that, you know? So it didn't come in and it didn't have the Doctor being, you know, I'm the last of the Time Lords and I'm going to, you know, you know, it had that, but it had also, you know, it had also, you know, a, a bitchy trampoline and it had, you know, all these other things, you know? Um, it, 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 was, it was, you know, it was, you know, I think it, you know, it, it remembered its sense of humor and it remembered its sense of wit and I think that is one of the greatest things that Doctor Who has. Thank you. So, uh, because time is moving on, who's got a question? Anyone got a question? Something for Graham to answer, discuss? If no one has a question, I'll just call them more. Oh, yeah, there we go. For new fans of the show, mm -hmm. what would you suggest as old DVDs to pick up of classic episodes? Okay, that's a great question. That's a very good question. Okay, um, I would say, okay, uh, there's a couple. Um, there's uh, one I just mentioned called The Face of Evil. It just came out on DVD this month, actually, so you should be able to find it in stores quite easily. Um, and it's a great little, it's a great little four-part story. Um, and the doctor, and it's just after the doctor leaves behind Sarah, so he's alone, and so it's almost as though you could watch this new and not know what Doctor Who is. And it's a great story. It's an exciting story. It's one of those stories like it's like a mini James Bond movie. Like there's new Jeopardy every five minutes. It's really great fun. Um, it may not be the best Doctor Who story ever made, but if you're if you've never seen the old show before, or you want to just sort of dip in and kind of see what its strengths are, that's a good one. Uh, Pyramids of Mars is another good one. Um, the Case of Androzani, which is Peter Davison's last story, um, that's a really, really great dramatic one. Um, the Pirate Planet, which is a story that Douglas Adams from The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy wrote, um, that's a good one. Um, I mean, if you come to me after, afterward, I'll, I can probably give you another list of fifteen or twenty. But you know, but, um, but yeah, but yeah, I think I think, but you know, The Face of Evil is just out on DVD, so that's why it's fresh in my mind. Yeah. Um, excuse me, I was wondering uh, what your favorite companion is. My favorite companion? Oh, um, I, have a, I have a funny story to tell about that. So I got to meet Sophie Aldrin, who played Ace um, in, in the classic series. She was the last companion in, in, the, in the old show. Um, and I met her when I was uh, 25 years old. And, I was, and it was my first Doctor Who convention. I was in Chicago. And, and I interviewed her for, uh, as part of a 
press conference, which she did, and, and I went to go get her autograph. She said, oh, you gave great questions, and at that point, all my room went, and I went, oh my god, you're so great. You're tied with Sarah, you're tied with Sarah Jane as my favorite companion. So, yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, so... It's pretty much still the case, though. <laughs> it's Sarah Jane, uh, Ace, and Romana, and I love Donna. I utterly adore Donna. Donna is probably... Thank you. Thank you. Um, Donna is utterly wonderful. Um, I like Rory a lot, too. Um, yeah, so... Yeah. Uh, with the 50th anniversary coming up, uh, there's been rumors in Rome. What are the odds then to having X come back for that? I think very, very low. Um, Eccleston really left on bad terms yeah. with the producers. Really bad terms. Um, to the point where you watch the Doctor Who Confidential for the parting of the ways. No actual producer actually talks about the regeneration scene because they don't. No produ and in fact, Russell T. Davies or Julie Gardner has ever gone, record, gone on record as to why they've left. Why Eccleston left. And Eccleston's only been very oblique about it, too. He said there's politics involved and there's this, but it, you know. I think it was a, it was, from what I've heard, the rumors I've heard, it was a really nasty, nasty riff. That was, that was the final nail in the coffin, but it was, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, he, 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 as he said, uh, I think Eccleston found out uh, he was leaving from all the rumors. He found out when he was leaving, uh, when he went to the newsagent and saw on the front cover of the, paper, of the newspaper, Eccleston to leave Doctor Who. He had sort of said, I'm thinking of it. They had actually done two endings. They did an ending where, Eccleston regenerates and they did an ending where Eccleston discovers that Rose is dying from the time warpers and they sort of were going to figure it out as to see how the ratings went, see if they could fix things up and I gathered the BBC decided this isn't worth it. But it's hard to, you know, I mean a lot of the stuff isn't said so I don't think, I know, I don't think Eccleston will ever come back. I think they would be willing to. I think Tennant would be quite interested. Um, I think, uh, I think, uh, and I think class. I think, I think the classic doctors have all been on record to say that they'd be interested in doing something. Um, I think McCoy's always desperate, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a Colin Baker's even more so. But, um, but I think, I, I think there's a. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they do it. I think they want if they're going to do it, they're going to do it in a really inventive way that we we never thought of before how, on how to do a, a bring back the doctor thing because you know. Um, yeah, I think The Five Doctors is one of the greatest Doctor Who stories ever made. I mean, I actually really love The Doctor Who. The, the Five Doctors is the one Doctor Who story I can recite all the dialogue from memory like you can with, like most people can do with Star Wars. I can do it with The Five Doctors. Looks rather splendid, doesn't it? And it goes on. Um, but, but, you know, um, but I think the thing is, is that you can't do that again. It, it, it really used up everything you can do with uh, let's throw everything, let's throw all the nostalgia to the wall. No, I don't think you can. Yeah. Um, what's the scariest Doctor Who episode you've seen? The scariest Doctor Who story I ever seen. Oh, okay. It was the it was the it was the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit. Yeah. Um, and I was thirty seven years old when I saw it, and I didn't go to sleep with the lights on. I went to sleep with the lights on. It was it was, it was, uh, it's the scene where um, it's the scene where. Uh, where uh, you hear the voice go, don't turn around, don't turn around, and he, and, 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 and he goes to look. That that really frightened. That really frightened. That really really scared me. Um, and there is no monster in it, but it's a really really scary scene. Um, and Blink really scared me too. <laughs>
I think the Impossible Planet scared me more, but Blink really scared me too. So yeah, yeah. But it's that same thing. It's that sort of, you know, it, it's the thought of it more. I think Blink was the first Doctor Who story that gave me a nightmare. Um, so yeah, 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 for sure. So, yeah. One of the things that, uh, that I know is actually the custom thing in the, the, the Moffat era is that, uh, like you said, with Blink, uh, they focused on a character that wasn't the Doctor, right? And they did that uh, for several seasons. Uh, they, they had one episode where the Doctor didn't appear. And I'm wondering um, what, um, whether or not that, that, that could translate to the, to, to the new Doctor or whether they could do that in the Okay, um, that's actually was due to a production expediency because what happened was they made fourteen. Ep- they, they in the second season they switched to making from thirteen episodes to making fourteen episodes because they added a Christmas special, but they were still making it in the same amount of time, so they couldn't actually really. And the actors get really tired anyway, so they needed a a uh, an episode where the Doctor and the companion didn't appear very much, and so that's why you had Love and Monsters and Blink. Um, and in the fourth season, they did it by splitting it up, and they had Donna in Turn Left as a solo story, and they had Midnight with the Doctor as a solo story. They still do that, actually. Um, but they've, what they've done is they've become more clever. So um, you don't. So, for example, in last season, they had they had Closing Time, which is virtually a solo story for the Doctor, um, and then you had the girl who waited where basically Matt Smith appears in about two or three scenes and the rest of it is just TARDIS scenes. So they've gotten very clever in how they disguise it, um, I think, and I think they have a little more leeway in how they do the production budgets so they can, so they can organize it a bit differently. So I think that's, I think that's, that's why you don't... But I, 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 I would like to see more stories where they just had a... Had a Oh my. Uh, we, had a, we had an identification figure. <laughs> so we're just going to pause and welcome Dalek Oric into our midst. Stock, um, I, I, will, I will actually. I, I would. Uh, I think the first ones are always the best. I, I think uh, Dalek, the Daleks in the in the original series um, uh, is a really great story, and Dalek in the in the very first season. I think. It, I think it's all downhill from Dalek. I mean, you know. You I disagree. One. There was only one Dalek in that Dalek story. So, Oric, what was your best battle with the Doctor? The best battle? That's a tough one. <laughs> Special says you mostly lose them. <laughs> My favorite battle. <laughs> that is anti-Dalek propaganda. <laughs> they do not televise all the victories of the Daleks. Name one. <laughs> Name any. We have conquered Earth twice. Off screen. Well, we are going to anyway. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Darling Oric, and if you want to come and meet Oric, we'll be happy to meet you.
and slaves. You will all be exterminated soon. He's uh, our kind of Dalek in residence. Uh, he's the supreme Dalek from 1972's uh, Day of. Day of, yeah. Day of the Daleks. It's a confusing. Death to Day of. Um, and he's built by a guy called Rob Green, who will be up there uh, to meet you directly after this session. When it's a really authentic to the BBC actual design. Actually, it's really you, you see him take it apart. It actually, it actually inside it, it pretty much resembles what what the, what the props look like in, in the BBC. It, it runs a lot smoother though than the original. <laughs> There's a question over there. Um, I was just wondering what you thought of the fact that uh, Amy Pond, her character, is no longer going to be in the show. Okay. <laughs> um, I, 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 I will be slightly more diplomatic than that. Um, I, I, Amy, uh, yeah, Amy, Amy's going. Um, I, I hope that's not a spoiler to all you, but casting news can't be considered spoiler stuff. I mean, you know, okay. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think... I think it was about time. Um, I, th- I th- honestly think it was about time at the end of the season. I kind of was like, she's here for another six. It's like it's like this, it's like this house guest that never quite goes away. Um, I really like. I mean, I liked Amy when she first came on board. Um, I kind of felt like her character stagnated last season a lot, and I felt that there was a problem. I think the problem with her pregnancy was that it was done for the plot gimmick and not for the actual emotional repercussions of it. And you can see the difference between Moffat and the way Russell T. Davies would write. Russell T. Davies wrote Amy getting, pre- Amy getting pregnant and having her child stolen become a weapon. It would be the event that ended the relationship between the Doctor and the companion forever. And, 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 there, would be, and there would be fallout and there would be all sorts of this. Amy kind of went, ah, okay. <laughs> because really, it was the, ooh, wow, she's actually River Song. And, ooh, this is this kind of cool thing. If you look at it retrospectively, and ooh, wow, wibbly, wibbly, wobbly, tiny, one. Um, you know, uh, and I think that's this type of writing that, Russ, that Moffat's interested in. Um, but I think the problem is, for me, is that you've now exhausted all the all things the character can do. Because, you know, she kind of, you've kind of done what a missionary couple can do. You kind of can do this. And, and it's clear the character's kind of done. So I'm kind of like, yeah, it's time for the Doctor to have a new friend. But... I mean, I, I acknowledge from the sheer number of Amy McCon cosplayers that I saw here today, this is not necessarily a universally held opinion. So, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, speaking of River, what is your take on her? <laughs> when River's this girl, you know? Um, <laughs> um, I, 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 I like River a lot, actually. I think River's a great character. I think River's a great character because... Moffat's great at writing really, really, really witty women um, who 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 are who are one step ahead of the character. And in stories like The Girl in the Fireplace or The Empty Child, you can you can do that with the Doctor because they're one-offs and it works. But with someone like Amy, it doesn't really work as well because the Doctor's going to have to be right inevitably. Um, and so. With with River, you kind of can have your cake and eat it too. She comes she comes along enough that she's able to wrong foot the doctor and sort of make, sort of you know make him you know at the same time she can go bye bye I'm going back to Stormcage and uh, and not actually have to you know suffer the consequences of the mundanity of being a Doctor Who companion. So I think it's kind of a neat neat conceit actually. I really like River. I, I I'm really hoping she comes back the next season and I haven't seen any indication that she will. But um, okay, you and then you. So see. So, 
Anniversary year, yeah, I'd like to see some older companions return. I think the sad thing about the Sarah Jane adventures going away uh, with 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 Elizabeth Slayton's sad death last year um, was that we had uh, was that we had compa- was that we had a show where, which could do that sort of thing. So you were able to bring back Joe Grant into it and stuff like that. And it was great. And Russell T Davies said he was going to bring back Ace the following season had she had it actually had it actually had Liz lived, um, but. Uh, um, but I, I do think the nice thing about Doctor Who is that when you've been around for 15 years, you have a rich tapestry. I think, I think it'd be fun to bring back a, an old cast member as a guest slot, just to sort of, you know, remind us that, you know, that, you know I think great, Cool Reunion was great. You know, the idea that, of the companion as the ex-girlfriend was a really funny thing. And I think there's more mileage in it. So, yeah, I think it'd be great. Um, I think uh, the gentleman with the glasses and then you up front and then you. So. Yes, um, I was actually wondering what you thought about uh, we don't obviously know very much about what her character is going to be like. But. I don't have much of an opinion, I'm afraid. I haven't seen her in anything, um, so I don't know how she is as an actress, um, and I don't know really know what kind of character she's playing. Um, I have to say that I find it very funny that we're you know at a point now where white young. A uh, relatively unknown British actress gets cast as a, as, a, as a Doctor Who companion is somehow front page news. Um, I find that very funny, and I think that's very interesting in how doc- how crazily popular Doctor Who has become, even in Canada, that that it's attracted that kind of attention. But I don't know. I, I I'm gonna have to wait until Christmas to find out. Um, honestly, yeah, you were next. Um, I just bothering me for a long time, which is the doctor's daughter. Um, and I just wanted to, to get your opinion on that, because she flies off, and, and do you think there's any chance they're actually going to use that, or is that just... I don't know. It's, it's... Doctor Who is full of loose ends like that, you know? Like, like there's all sorts of Doctor Who stories that end with, you know, character you don't think is going to should be killed, should, that you thought should have been dead, gets turns out to be alive, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um... I'd love to see her back because I like Georgina Moffat. Um, but and I have to say that she was going to get killed off originally. But Stephen Moffat actually, who wasn't even a producer at the time, but I guess he'd seen the script. Um, I gather he basically said to Russell Davies and a couple other and Stephen Greenhorn, the writer, he said, "Look, you know, I think that it doesn't work so well as a as a as a full out tragedy. I think I think you should have her go away. So maybe he does have something in mind down the road. You never know." So. And uh, who is next? Uh, someone play traffic. The front person in the front Hi, I'm just wondering what you think about uh, the rumor that we might see a female doctor next November. We've been having that rumor since 1981. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want, I, you know, I, I just want to put that out there. Like, you know, okay, I, um, you know, haha, it was kind of cute back in 1981. Fool me once, and they've done it again in 1987, and 1994, 1990. You know, you know, like, you know, 2005. You know, I don't think it's going to happen, guys. Um, I, I think we will. I think it's possible that we will see a non-white doctor next time. Um, I think we're, I think we're close to. It. I think I gather, I think gather Patterson Joseph was very close to getting the role um, back, back when Matt Smith got it. But 
I think, uh, I think, uh, I think not. Oh, no, I don't think a woman. Um, you, you all know that the actual the story behind the woman as a doctor thing, how it started. It started because uh, Tom Baker, when Tom Baker was leaving, he turned to John Nathan Turner, the producer, because they were went out for drinks before the press conference. They had to sort of hide him, hide him away, and he said, "I have a great idea. Why don't we tell that?" A woman might play the doctor, <laughs> and so they came out to the press conference, and, he, and 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 Tom Baker did a speech. He says, "And I wish whomever him or her might be the best of luck." And then all of a sudden, all the press went, "Wow, it's going to be a woman, it's going to be a woman!" And John Nathan Turner said, "It's open to all contenders," and 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 and, and everyone went wildfire. And thirty years later, here we are. <laughs> so there you go. Um, yeah. Yeah, we get to see Matt Smith's doctor interact with uh, Captain Jack and the gang at Torchwood. Uh, do you think we'll ever see that? I'm not so sure. Um, it depends. On, I, I think I think John Berriman would love to come back to Doctor Who. I think um, Torchwood's up in the air right now for a variety of reasons. I don't I don't think it performed very well in Stars. Um, so doing it as an American co-production probably won't happen again. Um, and many of us will say thank God. Um, <laughs> Um, but I also think that. Uh, but I also think, and many of you do. Um, but I also think that there's also. Um, um, I don't know if Russell T. Davies wants to come back to it right now for a variety of reasons, and so whether or not he. Uh, so I think the whole thing is up in flux. Um, I think Captain Jack might just pop up sometime on the 50th anniversary. I think. I think he wants to do it. I think it's going to depend on whether or not John Berriman's TV pilot uh, in the U.S. takes off too. So that's going to be another question. Colleen. Who's your favorite non-show writer, writer, runner, writer of the new millennium? Oh, uh, of the of the new run. Um, oh, we have one minute. Okay, so I'm going to do this. No, I'm sorry, one more. Well, one, one more, more question one after more this. Question after. Well, one more question after this. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Uh, then I'm going to say I'm going to say Toby Whithouse um, because I actually adore the God Complex. Um, it's a really, really great story. Uh, I also really liked uh, I also really liked uh, Vampires of Venice, um, and I also I love story. And the thing is, he writes the funniest dialogue of any of them. So I um, so I will just and I love being human for that reason. So yeah. So I'd say Toby Whithouse. You right there. You get to say the last question. Um, what's been the funniest scene you've seen? What's been the funniest scene I've seen in Doctor Who? Oh gosh. Um, uh, um, um, okay. Um, yeah. I, 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 this is going to be one of those jokes that you're probably never going to. You're going to. It might. You might get it or you might not. But anyways, it's in the. It's in a story called the Pirate Planet, and the Doctor is being chased down a tunnel which which uh, takes away inertia, and you basically just move forward like this because inertia doesn't doesn't exist, and so he tampers with it, and then he and then he uh, and then he hits it. And and then and then and then the guards that are following him suddenly just slam into the wall, and the doctor turns to him and goes, "Newton's revenge." <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, you may have been there. Um, um, the other one is is one of a story called Megalos, where the doctor is where the doctor is about to be taken away, and he says, "I'm I'm prepared to help out the usual way." And 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 the woman say, and the and the and the and the person says, "You'll be sacrificed." And he says, "Sacrificed? What about the usual way?" So, so okay. Maybe they were funny for you, but I would say those are funny. So, anyways, um, I think that's all the time we have. So, uh, thank you very much. Uh, please come upstairs. If you want to come. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I know I did. And uh, we will be having Graham Burke, the author of Who is the Doctor, on the Book Guys show soon. And I want to thank uh, Rob, the, the operator of uh, Dalek Oric, for uh, taking the time out to do the promo at the beginning of the show. Uh, he really went out of his way to, 
you know, yank off the Dalek's head and grab his headset and, and do that for us on the on the show uh, floor. And uh, it was funny because the, the folks from Doctor Who Society, you know, covered it all up with a tarp because they didn't want the kids seeing the, uh, you know, the magic behind the Dalek. You know, it'd be kind of like seeing Santa without his beard. But uh, it was a lot of fun. Thank you very much to all the people at Doctor Who Society and uh, Graham Burke. Uh, we'll see him on the show soon. And folks, stay tuned for Sunday's show, episode 39. We'll be there at uh, bookguys.ca. Just click on the player near the top right of the site. That's 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll see you then. Until then, I am Paul the Book Guy. We'll see you next week. Same book time, same book channel. Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. Paul the Book Guy will be back next week. Same book time, same book channel.